Well, we're now in 2019. This is the first uh, Sunday, and thank you for uh, being here for that. Um, I thank you, Pastor, for giving me the opportunity. Uh, usually, pastors kind of reserve the first sermon of the year for themselves. Um, so uh, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to be here and uh, share with you about what God's been doing in our mission field and in our lives. Uh, how many would you, uh, would you uh, say with me today, um, I'm glad 2018 is over. Anyone, anyone like that? Uh, you say, you know what, 2018, I am glad to see that behind me, uh, moving along, moving forward uh, into 2019. Uh, we, had, uh, we had one of those years where you just sort of, things come along into your life that you didn't see coming along. Uh, you know, we, uh, if, if you know us and have followed our journey, uh, we had a baby, uh, then we had uh, uh, cancer, and then, uh, then we had surgery, or my wife did, and uh, recovered from that, and now we're looking forward to heading back to Vanuatu. And uh, if I can just uh, give you one verse, and, and uh, we're going to jump into some other things about missions this morning, but uh, this verse sort of came to me as I, was, uh, uh, as I wake up this morning and thinking about heading into this year, and that is that Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Isn't it good to know that, that there is a purpose uh, for what we do here in this world? Uh, there is a purpose uh, for what God has called us to, and uh, the Bible tells us that all things work together for good according to His purpose. Uh, the thing, though, is that sometimes in our lives, things come along that we think, oh, I didn't see that coming, and I don't know how that, that, that could actually work into something good. Uh, but when you understand that it is about his purpose and not our purpose, and that we need to have that shift of mindset that, uh, that life is not about me and what I want to see happen and what I want to accomplish, uh, because we know that truly and honestly, uh, a life lived for that has no joy in it. Uh, but that there needs to be a shift of, of what I want to see accomplished in my life and actually a shift towards Christ and realizing it's about His purpose and it's about what He wants to purpose in my life. So we head into uh, 2019 and I hope uh, that this can be a year that you see that God has a purpose for your life. Uh, he has a purpose for each and every one of our lives. No one is a mistake. And as we head into to looking into 2019, uh, the first message of the year, what is God's purpose for your life? Uh, what is God's purpose for my life? Um, I, can, I can honestly uh, tell you we've learned things uh, throughout 2018 and, and God has, has taught us things along the way, uh, but it is the understanding that it is God's purpose and not ours. Uh, I'll give you just a few photos here quickly up on the screen. Uh, some of you were a part of this. Uh, this is a project. This is a long time ago. You're like, well, I kind of vaguely remember this. Who remembers putting some stuff together to send to Vanuatu into shoeboxes? Okay, that was a long time ago, long time ago. Uh, things in Vanuatu take time, and uh, we're not rushed. And uh, we've learned after being there for 10 years that uh, you, you know, things will happen when they need to happen uh, according to God's purpose and not necessarily ours. Well, uh, in 2017, October 2017, uh, you remember we had... Uh, uh, there was a volcano in Vanuatu that started to erupt on the island of Ambai. 11,000 people were, were emergency evacuated from that island on planes and boats and whatever they could get on to get out of the island. And uh, we were a part of that as a church in Vanuatu. Uh, we were excited about uh, looking after these people and doing whatever we could. The problem is we didn't have any finances to do that. Uh, churches like yourself, and I know your church uh, made a big investment into that project and other churches 
It meant that uh, we had the facility, we had the manpower, but we had no means of feeding people and looking after people and caring for people during that time. Uh, but God provided that uh, through yourselves and through other people who got involved. And that meant that for, uh, it was actually, I think it was 28 days, we were able to feed over 450 people that lived in our church property. So we, we emptied our building, people slept in the church, and we had church outside, and it was neat. Uh, normally it rains a lot during that time in Vanuatu, but uh, for that month, no rain. It was the first time ever. It was like a drought. There was no grass growing. And the moment that those people left our property and returned back to their island, it poured down rain literally the next day. Uh, you know, you can look at that as coincidence or you can look at that as God's hand in the midst of what was taking place. Well, they headed back home. Uh, we, we received these gifts finally. It sort of came near Christmas and we had some issues with customs as you do in Vanuatu, uh, clearing things and trying to get it, uh, you know, off the boat and different things. And we finally got it and uh, Christmas had already passed and we thought, well, what are we going to do with all these gifts that we've received? Uh, who are we going to give this to? So I said, uh, to our church leaders, let's wait for next Christmas and then we'll decide which village we'll take it to or, or whether we'll give it to the, the kids that in our ministry in town. And we're sort of thinking through this. Little did we know that uh, this September, and I wasn't even in Vanuatu, this September that same island was evacuated again. Uh, pretty much they sent them back home, not because the volcano had changed, but because it was costing them too much money as a government. So they sent them back home to the same situation and people were getting covered in ash and and uh, they, they said, it's okay, you just walk around with a, a towel over your face and these glasses that they gave everybody said, you'll be fine. Uh, you know, this is normal. And uh, after a, a few months of that, they realized this is not normal. We can't live. Nothing's growing. Everything's dying. They're having acid rain and different things. Uh, they removed them again from the island in September. And, uh, and, uh, and I think it was 112 of the people who came actually approached our church again and said, could we... Could we make this our village, as it were, until we find property to move on from there? And uh, so 8,000 people uh, came to our island again and have found places and houses everywhere, and it's really changed our town. And 100 of those people were back on our church property with just the bags that they were able to get uh, to go on the boat. So this Christmas, uh, we're able to hand out uh, the gifts that you sent, I think it was two years ago. Uh, we're able to give out these gifts to these kids. Um, they don't celebrate Christmas like we do in, in Vanuatu. They don't give gifts and that kind of thing. So uh, these kids got to experience Christmas uh, through some of you people that gave. I'll just jump through a few photos here. Uh, that was actually uh, the gifts on the back of our truck. I'll show you this photo as well. Uh, it, was, it was great to have uh, the Irish sound this morning uh, in the worship. We have our own Irish in Vanuatu as well. Uh, that's Fraser. Uh, if ever you come to Vanuatu, you'll get to meet him. Uh, he uh, manages our campsite there. He's been with us for about four years. Uh, Ishmael is the man who's beside him. If you follow us on social media or you followed any of our prayer letters or anything, uh, you'll know that Ishmael is the assistant pastor. Uh, pretty much has had to be the pastor uh, in, in our absence while we've been gone. And uh, through their ministry, the work has grown while we've been gone. Uh, and so uh, God has continued to do a great work. And I just want to uh, take a, a bit of time this morning and just look at uh, what is... Uh, what is God's purpose for our lives and what is God's purpose for us uh, what, as, as a church and as people who are called uh, by God. And uh, we have a look at Mark chapter 16, verses 15. I'm going to jump through a few verses here. We know that uh, uh, God gave a purpose to his disciples and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. As we head into 2019, we understand that 
we have been given a purpose as, as Christians and as a church to take the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to every people and every nation. When you jump over into Revelation chapter 7, and Revelations is a very strange book if you've uh, uh, sort of tried to read through that and thought, I'll, I'll read through this and see what's going on. Uh, you probably got very confused and sort of uh, what is going on and what is taking place. But pretty much it's, it's a history of the future, which sort of does your head in. But you have a look at uh, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9. It says, after this I beheld, and this is taking place in heaven, in the future, but it's a history of what's taking place in the future. And lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with right robes and palms in their hands. So here we look into the future. We look at, at Mark, where Jesus, uh, around about 2,000 or so years ago, Jesus gave the command to take the message of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world. Then when we jump over into Revelations, we see that it's been accomplished, uh, that there is all nations and every kindred and every people and every tongue. Uh, that's languages. We have a lot of language groups in Vanuatu. It has been accomplished. Uh, the gospel has, has taken place. So the question we need to ask ourselves today is how did it happen? How did it happen? We're in 2019 and there are still many nations, there are still many people groups who are yet to receive the gospel once. Uh, so we look at this and we ask ourselves, how has this taken place? Now, you might be aware of this or you might not be aware and maybe you're visiting here today and, uh, and you're coming through. But, but as a church, uh, you have, have played an important role in this being accomplished in, uh, in people groups hearing the gospel for the first time. Uh, we had the opportunity for the first six years of our ministry and we're still uh, very much involved in, in the ministry working with the Tiale people. Uh, the Tiale people, uh, when we first started working with them, had never heard the gospel ever, not even once. And just recently, about two years ago, an American couple came over who were working with us. Uh, they have started to translate uh, the Tiale people's language. And for the first time ever uh, in the history of, of that people group, uh, they're now actually singing songs in their own language. And uh, this happened recently over Christmas. Some of the old people were shocked. They were shocked that it was okay to sing to God in their language. Uh, because uh, uh, what they had sort of perceived from, from the worldview was that their language was evil and dark and, and something that ought to be sort of forgotten and that uh, these new languages that were coming with the gospel, that was okay, but God didn't speak their language. So for them to be able to sing songs of worship to the Lord in their own uh, proper language, and uh, this is uh, some of the older guys. There's one guy there who actually remembers World War II and a dogfight taking place above his village. Uh, so we don't know how old he is, but we kind of assume that he must be sort of uh, late 80s or sort of 90s, somewhere in there. Uh, but to see little tears rolling down his eyes as he, for the first time, goes, oh, is that what we're doing when we're singing? I didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we were just sort of humming words that we didn't really understand and finally understand what worshipping God is. When you hear of things taking place like that, understand that you have played a role in that being accomplished. Uh, missions is still very real. In 2019, if you came with me to Vanuatu uh, and you just, well, for you guys, it's a little bit longer because you've got to get to the other side of Australia. I'm normally on the other coast there. So if you were to hop on a plane for five hours, get into Sydney, then hop on a plane for three hours and uh, land into the island Santo, uh, come with me in a truck for three hours and then get a backpack and hike for about two days, I could take you to places that people are still living off the land, 
wearing loincloths, have very little understanding of anything that is taking place in this world today. However, they have a smartphone. Uh, try and figure that one out. Uh, I, I'll, I'll spend some other, you can talk to me later on and ask how all that takes place, but uh, uh, they've got some, some forms of technology. But in 2019, there are still places that are like this. Now, to you and I as Christians, um, uh, how people live and whether they've got iron roofing over their house or they're living in, in thatched roofing really isn't that important. What is important is do people have the message of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have people given opportunity to hear the gospel for the first time? So how is it going to take place? How in 2019 are we going to reach the nations with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ? I believe, first of all, that we, uh, the, Bible t- the, the people say, and the Bible tells us as well, that a lot rises and falls on leadership. And what I believe, first of all, that we need is we need pastors with a worldwide vision. Pastors with a worldwide vision. Uh, in Vanuatu, the men that we, that we look to train and the men that we look to place into ministry, we're always looking for people that have a, a bigger vision than themselves. They can actually see beyond uh, their own personal needs and, and, uh, and, and, and what's taking place in the area and actually realize, hey, we need to reach further than where we are. I remember Pastor Gabby, when I first hopped off the plane 10 years ago as a missionary, he met me at the airport and he had this big list of names on a piece of paper. And I read through the list. I said, what is this? He said, these are the villages that have yet to hear the gospel. Um, would, you, would you partner with us to help us reach these people? And uh, when I sort of heard his heart for his people, it was, it, was, it was very clear that, okay, this is a person we want to work with because he has a heart to reach the world. He has a heart to reach the nations. Uh, you know, believe it or not, it is hard to find churches that have a vision for, for what's happening in the world. Uh, your pastor has a vision, that's why I'm here today, for what's happening not just here but around the world. It would be very easy to say, well, uh, oh, that's all good and great, uh, but why don't we just put some concerted effort in what's taking place here now and eventually we can get to those nations and we can get to the rest of the world. The early church that had started up in Jerusalem, and uh, we have a bit of the history of, of what took place and how the gospel uh, spread uh, from Jerusalem to, to the world, as it were, at the time. In Acts chapter 1 and verses 8, it tells us that uh, this church was booming, it was growing, and uh, they had been given a command, they had been given a task as a church, and I believe that that same task is given to us as a church today. And what were they given? It was told to them that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And the purpose of the Holy Ghost coming upon you and receiving this was, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So the church of Jerusalem was told, the reason that you are here, the reason that you have received the message, the reason you received the Holy Spirit is so that you can get the message out to the known world. When you jump over into Acts chapter 8, things are going really good. The church has exploded. I mean, uh, they're running upwards of 30,000 people. This is a, a, there are incredible things happening. Uh, there's people getting baptized all the time. And, and uh, I don't know the ins and outs of how this all took place, but uh, it tells us that they were gathering for worship. Uh, they, were, they were giving to the poor. People were, were selling up their properties and things were happening. But there was one thing that wasn't happening. 
And that was they were reaching Jews and nobody else. They were reaching Jerusalem and nobody else. But they were given a task. God had given them a task to reach the world. When we look over in uh, Acts 1.8, what takes place is an incredible persecution comes upon the church. It tells us Saul, who later on becomes Paul, was consenting unto his death. This was Stephen. And at the time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So this incredible persecution comes upon the church. And God allows this to take place. Why? Because they were given a task to take the gospel out. And they weren't doing it. They were all together and things were great. And, uh, and we, you know, we talked about fear this morning. Uh, fear of change and going somewhere new is, is very real when, uh, when you consider uh, going to a different country or being a missionary or, or going across the street and talking to someone. Uh, this can take place. And it tells us that because of the persecution, the church was scattered. Now, when a church gets scattered, we sort of look at that as humans and say, oh, isn't that sad? Isn't that sad that that took place? But understand that, that God is looking from a bigger perspective, and he's looking at this and going, okay, this is what I need to take place. I need you to move. I need, you, need to place you where I need you. You jump over in Acts chapter 11, and here we have... The first church, as it were, that was spreading missionaries around the world. Uh, this church that was in Antioch. And it tells us in Acts chapter 11, verses 19. This is how this church began. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto Jerusalem, of the church, of, came uh, to the ears of the church was at Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, go and check out what's going on. So understand that this church was birthed because of persecution that took place. Christians uh, left. And, and found other places. And understand that, that although we may face persecution or not, if, if you genuinely know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, where, what are you going to go back to? The disciples put it this way. When you look at uh, John 6, uh, chapter 6, verses 66, where Jesus had a, a massive multitude of followers, and uh, he told them what was going to take place. And he, he said some words that were very hard for them to understand. And a bunch of them left. And the disciples were still there. And Jesus looked at them and said, are you guys going to leave as well? And they looked at Jesus and said, what are we going to go to? What, are we gonna go, what, what am I going to go back to? Uh, Jesus, you have the words of life. Understand that when we, when we face persecution and hard times, and we've faced some hard times in our lives, and, and sometimes people say, oh, it's incredible that you're still serving God. And I think, what am I going to go back to? What is there outside of serving God? It, it would make no sense to go through hardship and run away from God. That's actually when I draw closer to God. Uh, and this takes place in our life. And, and uh, these guys had drawn closer to God. And as they traveled because of the persecution, they just started reaching people, telling people about Jesus. These were not 
uh, necessarily pastors or church leaders. These were just uh, what we would call normal people. I don't know what normal person is, but uh, normal people who just started to share their faith with other people, started to share their faith with other people, and something started to take place, and people started to receive the news, receive the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look to reaching the nations, what we look for is we look for leaders who are not doing, not sharing their faith because of the applauds, not sharing their faith because of the approval of men, not sharing their faith because of, of the good times and the blessings that we're receiving, but sharing our faith because that is what we live for. Understand that what Jesus died for ought to be what we live for. What Jesus died for ought to be what we live for. And it's easy in this world, and I've experienced that six months of of being in Australia with my family. And I understand this as well, living in Australia and living in this world, all sorts of distractions and things can come into our lives. All sorts of distractions, uh, things that divide, uh, and, and things come into our lives. And I, I remember as I travel and visit, uh, I get to visit numerous different churches and get to see uh, different styles and different things. And I remember I was with this one pastor who was all about conspiracies. Conspiracies. Now, I'm one of those guys, I'm like, like, as soon as someone starts talking conspiracy, I'm like, oh, here we go again. Um, you know, the greatest conspiracy is that Christ died for the world and, and people aren't telling people. I think that's the greatest conspiracy, uh, the message that needs to be preached. But I'm with this pastor and he's telling me about um, man not landing on the moon and, and, uh, and then he was telling me about how that it was actually Bush that blew the town. Anyway, this crazy stuff. And I'm sort of sitting there going, mm-hmm, uh-huh. I say, well, I didn't know what to say or where to go from there, but I do know that I hopped in my car and thought, I'm never going back there again. I don't want to be immersed in that. But the sad part is when we get distracted and we get divided, when we allow fear to, 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 to take hold of our lives, all that takes place is the message stops to spread and the devil wins. We need people who have put in their mindsets, you know what? Uh, even though, and the Apostle Paul put it this way when he spoke to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.10, he said, I will endure all things so that I can get the gospel out. I'll endure all things. I don't know what you've had to endure in your spiritual life, but, but the Apostle Paul said, you know what, that, that's nothing if I can get the message out to other people. Uh, Romans chapter 9 verses 1 to 3 again talks about the idea or the concept of enduring all things and, and doing all that we can to serve the Lord. I remember... Uh, we had one of our pastors from the jungle, Pastor Sylvain, and uh, he had been suffering from some stomach pains, and, and uh, he, he, right off the grid, there's no medical uh, attention up where he lives, and, and his stomach was getting worse and worse, and eventually he was curled over and couldn't hop out of bed, uh, so they carried him and put him in a truck, and he made it to town, and uh, he'd, been, he'd been sort of like this for about four days, and it, what had happened is he had appendicitis, and it erupted, and went all through his, his stomach, and they did surgery, and, and they ended up, he ended up with a big hole so you know, stuff could come out, and now I'm not going to go into the gory details. Uh, but it was touch and go. He was on the bed, and he was sort of uh, you know, fading off because of fevers and that, and sort of waking up and coming in and out. And uh, one of our other uh, men in the ministry, they were sitting beside him, and, and Pastor Vissan looked really worried, really concerned. Um, if ever you've been beside someone's bedside, um, as, as they're quite sick and, and your health is deteriorating. Uh, sometimes people have incredible joy. 
uh, because they know of where they're going in the future. They know of what's going to take place in eternity. Well, Pastor, this, Pastor Sylvan had what looked like worry. And so the other pastor was concerned. He said, he said, Pastor Sylvan, why are you worried? And they have this very simple concept of, of the world that we live in in Vanuatu, and that is if you die, you're going to heaven. It's a promotion. Uh, it's a good thing. So in their minds, to die is not bad. You're going to heaven. It's a great place. This, this is bad here. It's not heaven. Uh, and that's sometimes you've got to remind people in Western countries, hey, this is not heaven. You can try and make it as much heaven, but it's not heaven, okay? Heaven's going to blow your mind. It's indescribable. Well, Pastor Sylvain was sitting there. And he said, no, I'm not, I'm not worried about dying. I'm worried about if I die, who's going to take the message? Who's going to keep the message going? Who's going to keep the gospel going? He was a man who, on his deathbed, his greatest concern was not himself, but his greatest concern was, what about those who have not heard of the message? What we need to reach the world is we need people to realize that we have a message to take to people. The next thing that we need is people with provision for the vision. It's great having a vision. I love your pastor because every time I come here, he's showing me something and, and uh, pointing to buildings and showing me different things every time I'm here. He has vision. And it is great for a pastor and a leader to have vision. It's great for a church to have vision. But without the provision for the vision, that means nothing. You can have all the vision in the world. Oh, we want a boat and we want to do this and do this and reach this place and reach that place. Uh, but without the provision for the vision, it's going to be very difficult and it's not going to take place. Understand that in the, 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 the mission of reaching the world, God uses, and this always gets me, I, I never understand this, God uses people. I think that's probably the worst thing you could have used, uh, human beings. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, why? Why was this part of your plan? God uses people. And God continually uses people. And sometimes we look to heaven and we're like, God, how are you going to answer this problem? What are you going to do? And we're sort of waiting for some miracle to drop out of the sky. And God's like, okay, there's some people around you. That's how I'm going to answer this need that you're crying about. I've, got, I've put people around you. God uses people uh, to accomplish his task. The gospel is free, but getting it to the lost is not. I often think as a missionary, sometimes people expect you to live in a grass hut and uh, sort of cultivate food on the land, and you could do that and spend about 95% of your time living because that's what it takes to live in the jungle. But understand that the gospel is free, but getting it to the lost there's a cost. We understand that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 15, it talks about these believers that had addicted themselves to the ministering of the saints. They had addicted themselves to blessing people that were around them. Genesis 18, verses 18, talks about Abraham. And if you've, uh, maybe you've started the year and you're going to read through the Bible, I've got this little thing on the back of my Bible where you tick a little thing each as you go through the year. And uh, maybe you've read about Abraham uh, sometime this week, but tells us that Abraham would be a blessing to all nations. Now, Abraham was blessed, but the biggest part of what Abraham was going to be was going to be a blessing to all nations. I want you to understand this. There's a difference between being blessed and being a blessing. Being blessed is, is receiving something of God, and, and I believe that the greatest blessing that we receive from God is salvation. And we are a blessed people. But what Abraham was called to be was a blessing to all nations. Galatians chapter 3 verses 29 says, If, if ye be with Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. 
the promise of what? The promise that we can be a blessing to all nations. 1 Timothy 6, 18 says they do good and, they, and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. 2 Corinthians 9, 11 says being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us the thanksgiving to God. It talks about the fact that we can live as a people that are blessed and we are. We, we are truly blessed. Or we can be a people that are a blessing. You understand there is a difference between those two things. You can be a person who, who looks at what God has provided for you and go, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing serving God. Look at everything he's given me. Or we can be people that look at the things that God has given us and go, okay, God, why have you given this to me? What is the purpose of all this? What is the, what is the purpose of these, these talents that you've given me? What is the purpose of, of this place that you've placed me in? And understand that, that the vision needs the people to realize that what I have is to be able to use to accomplish the vision. And all we do when we serve God is we change the temporal for the eternal. Jesus told us to not lay up treasures here on earth, but lay up treasures in heaven. When you serve God, all you're doing is exchanging the temporal for eternal. I think that's a pretty good package. That's a pretty good deal to, to swap up things that are going to disappear and disintegrate for things that are going to be eternal. I want to sort of close with this thought or this idea. I, I had an opportunity and um, we hike up into the jungle and we minister and, and now we actually have a church in town. So we're more, uh, sp we spend a lot of time focusing on that. But oftentimes, people can approach me and uh, have this concept or this idea that somehow, uh, because you're a leader of a church or you're a missionary, somehow uh, you are sort of on a podium and the rest of us are kind of counting on you. Like, hey, good job in Vanuatu, keep doing the work. You know, my investment is counting on you to actually accomplish what you're doing. But we understand, and I hope you understand this, that, that being called to missions is not leaving your home country and traveling to some foreign country. It might mean that, and learning some new language and working with a, with a different people group. But that serving God in missions is being called and understanding that we all need to play our part. That's all God asks us to do. God doesn't ask you to live my life. hope you understand that. God doesn't ask me to live your life. God asks each and every one of us to play our part in what he's doing here and around the world. Um, I, dialup, what's, what's it called here? Dialup, it's like, sounds like something from the hospital, you know, they're going to hang a bottle on you or something. Uh, but uh, as I travel, I, I go through towns and sometimes on Sundays I'm like, I don't even know where I am on the map. You understand that God has not called me to reach the people in this, in this suburb and in this area. God has, God has called me to a specific place, to a specific country, and that's the part that I've been called to play. I remember once I had an opportunity of hiking. It took us three days to get to this particular village, and it was called Ranmelmele, village way up in the mountains. It was one of the first original villages of the island that we're on. They said that that village used to have upwards of 300 people lived way up in the mountains. We had an opportunity to hike up to that village, and there was just two families, two huts on top of some mountainside. It took us three days to get there. And I'm kind of thinking, was this really worth it? Was it really worth hiking for three days, uh, you know, fuel and expenses and taking a team of people for two little huts up in the mountain somewhere? We got there and uh, uh, we went, they showed us where we were going to sleep. And there's a few things I don't like. I, I'm, 
I'm okay with leeches and snakes and all that spiders and all that stuff. The one thing I don't like is cockroaches. Now, understand there's a background to my story. When I was a little kid, I was sleeping in a hut and a cockroach crawled into my ear and was scratching on my brain. Terrible experience. You don't want to experience that. Uh, the tip is you sleep with, with toilet paper in your ears when you're up in the bush. So we go into this hut where we're going to sleep, and it was like Indiana Jones cockroaches. Just everywhere, everywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is, I'm going to sleep outside. I went outside, and there was leeches and cockroaches all through the grass, and I thought, no, nah, I've got to sleep in the hut. Um, I ended up actually setting up little candles around my bed to try and get rid of the cockroaches. Um, but they had suicide cockroaches where they would run for the candle and sort of kill out the flame, and then they come again. It was a terrible experience. Uh, if you can see it's damaged me a little bit. But uh, we're in that village, and there's cockroaches everywhere. Um, the local people actually like them because they don't have to wash the dishes or anything. They just leave it there, and the cockroaches clean it right up. I mean, you would understand how far the river is. You don't want to carry your pots and pans down there. So we're in this village, and uh, we had a little, little sort of service. Uh, we asked the people there, you know, would you mind us sharing tonight? And so uh, one of our guys, they didn't speak very much the trade language. They spoke tribal language. And so uh, one of the men preached. And then um, what we do is we sing songs while we counsel with people that want to talk further about what we had preached about. So we're singing Songs. We end up singing songs for about 45 minutes um, as one of the men that was with us went and talked to this really old, itty-bitty lady. She was just wearing leash. She was curled up in the corner. Uh, didn't look like she had a shower for probably a few years. And he went and spoke to her, and she was just sitting there. And he spoke and spoke and spoke, and she kept shaking her head, and she kept shaking her head, and he kept speaking to her, and she kept shaking her head. And um, uh, later on, uh, after us singing for 45 minutes and him speaking, um, we saw them both bowing for prayer, and they both prayed, and, and we saw him looking over to us, and he's giving us the thumbs up, and he's all excited, and we're, we're sort of, sort of, I'm sort of realizing, okay, this lady's made a decision uh, for Christ. Something's taken place here. And he came back over, and we were discussing, and I said, well, why, was, why was she shaking her head? He said, well, every time I would tell her God loves you, she would go, no. No, 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 no. God, God, spirits do not love us. They don't love us. We do all the things that we do so that they don't put curses on us or make us sick or different things, but the spirits don't love us. And he kept explaining the message, you know, God loved you. How do I know God loved you? He sent his son to die for you. That's how God showed his love towards you. And he kept going through, and she was listening and listening. And, and uh, finally, by the end of that night, she actually made a decision to call on, on Jesus to save her from her sins after we'd speak, spoken and she sort of understood it from there. Remember later on that night, I was talking to her through a translator. Um, she was kind of a little bit standoffish from me. And I was asking her, I said, um, I said have, have people hiked through here before? She said, no. I said, have you been to town? She said, no. I said, have you seen a road? She says, no, I've never seen a road. I said, uh, have you ever seen a white person before? She said, yes. I said, oh, okay. So when did you see a white person? She said, well, during, during there was once where a helicopter landed in our village. It was actually the vote for independence. Helicopter landed in our village, and there was a white man flying the helicopter. And they came out, and they told everybody to tick, tick, tick a thing on a paper, and then they would give us all these bags of rice that they had unloaded from the helicopter. Okay, <laughs> so I'm not going to go down that road, but I'm like, oh, okay. And we had a bit of a discussion, and, and um, about a year later, she actually, she was old, and she passed away in her sleep. And I think about the fact that... Um, 
I had the opportunity to be able to reach this person who lived all her life in this valley, never seen anything outside of their little village, and got to hear the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was an incredible opportunity, and I was sort of, I was sort of humbled by that opportunity to be able to reach that person and, and uh, be a part of what was taking place. And I wasn't even the one that was preaching. I was just part of the group that hiked. But, but being a part of what God was doing, you understand that we all get called to reach those who are around us. When I was reaching that lady in the middle of the bush, understand that, that I wasn't there by myself reaching that person. People had reached into my life. Uh, we're about to go on Monday and, and be part of a camp. And, and uh, sometimes you could ask a question. Someone asked me this question once. If you're a missionary, what are you doing back over here doing camps? You know, aren't you supposed to be doing missionary stuff in Vanuatu? And I said, well, you understand that, that someone did a camp somewhere that reached my life. And, uh, and people have spoken into my life. And people have, have blessed me along my journey. And when we reach someone, understand, and, and this is the great thing, about the work of God is somebody reached us and we've reached somebody else. I always get this question when we're talking with people. We were talking with people yesterday in McDonald's and someone said, uh, isn't it incredible how everything sort of intertwines? It's true. It really is. When you, when you start, I was, I was here a few years ago and there was, a, there was a couple that was driving through in their caravan, just put it some perspective on things, and they had a house on my island in Vanuatu. And they happened to be here on the Sunday that I was preaching about Vanuatu. And we made a connection and we met over in Vanuatu and got connected from there. And you say, well, how does all this happen? Well, God uses people. So understand, if, you, if, if, if you're a, 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 maybe you're a new believer or maybe this is your first time here in church, understand that it's all connected. There's, there's no one person that just whoa, gets a vision from up in the sky and says, I was reached by nobody. No, everybody reaches somebody and God is calling us, maybe God is calling you to go overseas somewhere, but in reality, God is calling us to each and every one of us play our part. When you read this passage in Matthew chapter 24, and we're going to finish with this verse, Matthew chapter 24 and verses 14, it tells us, And the gospel, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. We talk about... Christ returning and Christ returning soon. We understand that the gospel is still to reach the ends of the world. We still have an incredible task ahead of us. And as I stand here today, although I talk about Vanuatu, understand that I talk on behalf of missions worldwide. My question to you is, what part has God put in your heart? Who has God placed around you? God has called each and every one of us to be involved in the mission. Whether you are the mission, you're here today and you've never called on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're the mission. You're the reason for everything that we do to get the message out. Or you're here today and you've called upon the Lord Jesus Christ, understand that you are now on a mission. Because everywhere you go, you are taking the Holy Spirit with you. God is with you everywhere you go. And you have an opportunity to path, pass along other people's lives and to have an impact in their lives. I want to close with a, an illustration just to, to get you to understand this. If, if you would with me, if everyone would stand up. Heading into 2019. And as a church, we have a mission to reach the world. 
but let's be honest, the world's a big place. How, how is this accomplished? What it is, is if I can get everyone to just put a hand out and if you can, touch the person's shoulder in front of you. Just touch the person's shoulder in front of you or just put your hand out randomly in the sky. You just, you've got people to reach still. Now, over here, it's sort of happening. From the back row all the way to the front, this little kitty, what's your name? Nathan. So someone's touching, reach, reaching you, and someone's reaching so on and so forth, all the way down to the back. Now, you guys on the back probably can't even see him down here. He's too far away. You don't even know who's putting their hand on his shoulder. But, but can I tell you, because you're reaching someone, somebody's getting reached far beyond the reach that you could ever imagine. When we think about missions, this is what it's about. You reaching the people that God has placed around you. And then those people will reach, and those people will reach. And, and the reality of it is we don't know how far that reach goes. But I can tell you when we're in eternity in heaven, we're going to find out. And we're going to wish that we had been a part in reaching. Our sort of logo in Bano, or idea in Vanuatu or our motto is reach Vanuatu. That's the task that God has given us. God is calling us to reach, not some distant land, but reach where you are. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you work. I don't know your name. We're going to go from here and we're going to go into whatever 2019 has prepared for us with God and with his purpose in mind. And that is that we have a message that still is yet to reach the world around us. We have a message to take to people around us. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity this morning to preach your word. Dear Lord, as we as men have made this time what we call the, the beginning of the year, dear Lord, I pray that we might be people of purpose. Dear Lord, I pray that we might look around us and we might ask the question, God, I don't want to be just a person who lives a life that is being blessed by you, dear Lord, but I want to be a person who is a blessing. Dear Lord, wherever my path takes me, dear Lord, I, I pray that you might help me to reach those people that you bring into my life. Dear Lord, you, this might be a year where we will face some difficulties and some struggles. Dear Lord, I pray that in the midst of that, we might understand, dear Lord, that all things work together for good. But it's according to your purpose, God. You have a greater purpose that you've called us to. And I pray that as we head into this year, we might realize that missions is the people that you've placed in front of us. And dear Lord, as we reach to those people, our reach will reach far beyond we can ever imagine. And one day, dear Lord, we will be in heaven with you in glory. And we'll be able to celebrate what you did for us on the cross, dear Lord. We are nothing. We are just carriers of the message of what you did for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Why don't you thank Jeremy? That last illustration was impactful to me, talking about purpose and reaching others. It's something I haven't thought about for a while. It was brought to my memory. My grandfather was led to Christ by his aunt. My grandfather went to Bible college, started a church in Los Angeles, then was called by God to, to be a missionary to Melbourne. And he arrived in Melbourne in 1970. The years after that, there was a young man named Philip Pinero, who's Jeremy's dad, 
was led to Christ in my grandfather's church. I always remember the way he describes it. A long-haired, little hippie wild child. That's the way he described himself. And he came to know Christ as his savior. And my grandfather passed away right after that. My grandfather passed away in 1975. The rest is history. And I, it's impactful to me thinking about where are we going to reach and who are we going to touch that will never know what's going to take place as you faithfully give. Let me challenge you. If you're yet to start giving to Faith Promise Missions, you can give online. The information's in the bulletin. You can give cash or check through the offering. There's little envelopes that you can place it in. Everything that's given today through our offering is going 100% to world missions today. So everything you give, clear out your wallets. Because you don't know the impact it's going to make. And let me thank you, Jeremy, for making an impact on people that we can't. 